0: Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Welcome back to part two of the Sarah Deep Dive. Before we get started, I have the usual reminders. You can watch me livestream almost every day of the week. Monday through Friday, I stream Fallout New Vegas at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. On Mondays, I play Resident Evil 3 Remake at 1 p.m. Mountain. And on Sundays, it's Blair Witch at 9 p.m. I'm also a guest on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel on Tuesdays and Fridays at 9 p.m. Mountain. On Tuesdays, we're taking on the remake of The Last of Us Part 1 with me at the controls. And on Fridays, we're doing a co-op playthrough of Dying Light. You can get your Days Gone-inspired merchandise at daysgonepodcast.threadless.com. There are three different Days Gone designs available on tees, tanks, sweaters, stickers, pins, notebooks, mugs, art prints, and more. And it all ships internationally so you can rep the game all around the world. All right, I'm going to read another section from the art book. Uh, this is from page 178, Requisitions for Sarah. In many ways, the entirety of Days Gone builds to this moment when Deacon is reunited with Sarah. At this point, we've spent more than a dozen hours in the game experiencing Deacon's anguish and the guilt he feels for not having been there when Sarah was killed. Then he's given a sliver of hope that she might be alive, only to have it dashed again. Finally, He discovers that she might be alive after all and heads off to find her, a roller coaster of emotions. I wanted the reunion to be emotional, but also unexpected. Yes, there are tears and a kiss, but also bitterness and regret. This isn't the same Sarah we met before in the flashbacks. This Sarah is hardened both emotionally and physically. She's a woman on a mission and nothing is going to stop her, not even the surprise resurrection of her dead husband. In many ways, Days Gone is Sarah's story as much as it is Deacon's. Deacon spent two years searching for a reason to live. Sarah spent that time trying to save the world. God, that's so good. This is what makes the reunion scene and, and all the entirety of the militia section of the game. This is what really makes the story what it is. And I feel like it's the most misunderstood part of the game. and it, It saddens me so much that people can play the game and not get it, that they can play the game and be disappointed when you find Sarah and she doesn't just, you know, jump into his arms, give him a kiss and say, hey, honey, I missed you. Let's go fuck. You know, it's like she's like, how did you miss that? They A, there are real people. You know, these are real people with a real point of view and a real relationship, as we already talked about. It feels Real and they have depth and they have points of view. And you throw them into the apocalypse and you fast forward two years, everything each of them has been through. Yeah, they're not just going to go bang. They're not just going to be like, oh, cool, I missed you. Awesome. And then on top of that, the fact that they're in a fucking militia. Yeah. The fact that Sarah is trying to save the goddamn motherfucking world. She has a mission. And she could be hanged if she's found out for doing that because that's not the colonel's plan. She is supposed to be making a weapon and she is appropriating militia resources to do the opposite of that. The colonel is unhinged. He will fucking hang her. He does not care. He probably, honestly, with his religious zealousness, he likes the position he's in. Do you think he wants the world to go back the way it was? Does he want everyone to be cured? No, he wants to stay the colonel of the militia, the, you know, the messiah that's leading them into the ark. You're the savior of the world. Like that is what he thinks of himself as. If he finds out she's fucking trying to cure people, that's completely the opposite of what he needs and wants. So yeah, it's not going to go well if anyone finds out what she's really doing. I've talked about this on the reunion episode before. <laughs> I'm not going to get not going to get too into it, but I want to hear your thoughts because you, I know you have a, a lot to say about the scene.
1: Yeah, podcast that you you did with Sponicus Rex is just amazing. You guys did, I think, a wonderful job of breaking it down, um, and I think it is probably to me like the miss. The most misunderstood part of this game, and yes, he the colonel's unhinged. He I, he will kill her if he finds out what she's doing. No doubt about it. To me, what I think was interesting, I I happened to re-listen to the crossbow episode for reasons,
0: and <laughs> I noticed
1: in the beginning <laughs> that you got you and Dandy Denny talked about. Um, you asked her her favorite character, and she said Sarah, and you guys talked about her a little bit. And she was talking about like what she likes about her is that Sarah's like not a prize in that. And I think that right there is the problem because I grew up in the 80s and you had Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and all of these guys who are, you know, um, Chuck Norris, who, who took on an entire military by himself and, and won and was the big manly man. Any really action movie, if you're James Bond, you get a a Bond girl or two after you've saved the world. Women are prizes to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, you mentioned earlier Mario, Nintendo. I mean, Mario It's like, save Princess Peach. She's like, who is Princess Peach? She is the trophy. She is the victory. You have won. You have claimed the thing. Back from the other guy that had the thing, well done. You win the woman. The woman now belongs to you. Good job.
1: The woman is not an actual character in her own right. She's the trophy you hoist at the end of the, the contest. Um, and I I have a feeling, and obviously I can't speak for everyone who doesn't like it, but they didn't like that Deacon put in all this work, this two years worth of work and worrying about her and feeling guilty, and he did not get a prize. He did not get laid for his efforts.
0: Right. And I mean, I don't. I may cut this from the the episode, but it is like I, the player, put in thirty, forty, sixty, hundred hours of gameplay, and I didn't get to see the tits. What? Yep. When am I going to be rewarded with boobs?
1: Yes. Um, stick with the boobs on the train, buddy. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's what I was thinking. <laughs> There's your boobs. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she totally isn't a trophy. And that's the thing I think that people miss is that it's not about will Deacon win her or lose her. Mm -mm. It's will he find her and will they come together again? Will they find each other and Uh come together? It's as much her choice as it is his. And I mean, we talked, Rex and I talked in the reunion episode about the body language and Uh the, you know, the way she's looking at the colonel like, oh, fuck, the colonel's right here. Fuck, I've got to cover. And she thrusts the bottle into Deacon's hands and she says, read it. And it's not, hey, you dumbass, read this. Like, she doesn't know him. She's giving him the the eyes. It's the same look she gives him later when he has the tea and she gives him that look like, uh-uh, don't, don't drink the tea. Don't drink it. That little, mm 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 She's doing the same thing that, I see you, but play along, please. Here you go, read this bottle uh it's she gives him that look and i'm like how do you miss that how do you miss it of course she fucking some people don't think that she recognized him and i'm like of course she does she's just she looks at the colonel immediately and like oh god oh fuck oh god i don't know how to process this but also the colonel cannot know Mm -hmm. so she just covers it straight away
1: yeah she has to force her eyes away from deacon so many times Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing that I think, number one, you and I see Deacon and Sarah as equals, where a lot of people don't. She's the trophy he should have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think they misunderstand. And, and maybe you have to be a woman to really understand. But she's been alone now for two years. And a mostly, I mean, we're a male-dominated society now, so it's not going to change. You know, in an apocalypse there, she's one of very few women that's around. She's the only woman that we see really in a place of authority in the militia. Mm -hmm. And that wizard island, witch, that Mm -hmm. persona came from somewhere to me, Mm -hmm. that persona came from her need to protect herself. Yeah. You know, I need to show that I, I can take care of myself or I'm going to be, you know, used and abused. For yeah. you know, lack of a better way to put it. Look at how she acted with the guy that didn't bring her what she wanted. She can't then turn around in front of the colonel and be all nicey nice to Deacon. Hey, can you go get me some plants? You mm-hmm. know? He's gonna know something's wrong.
0: Yeah, it's a protective quality. And also, you know, it's probably born out of frustration. Because mm-hmm. we learn from the conversation at the end near the end of the game where Deacon goes to rescue Manny. That, you know, most of the people who have survived thus far are not good people. They're not the nice, smart ones. They're the ruthless, you know, survivors. They're the people who will do whatever it takes to survive. They're not gonna necessarily be good people. They're the people who can shoot guns and use stabby weapons and things like that. <laughs> and as we described Sarah earlier, a upper class, nerdy science, uh, you know, blonde, attractive young woman. I mean, the game doesn't really go into sexual assault and rape all that much. We've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't take more than half a second to think about what she may have faced or what she may have had to avoid. I mean, you look at all the ambush camps in the game. How many times you ambush in a camp and there's like mostly dudes, one or two women, and you hear them when you're in stealth, you'll hear them like, telling you to come on out you know we've got whiskey we've got women or Mm -hmm. even i think some of the one of the lines of dialogue from one of the female npcs is you know the boys don't mind sharing everyone gets a turn and it's like what do you think that means yeah
1: look at the world we live in now and we haven't added any freakers into it so you cannot tell me that human nature is not going to to be even worse than it is now yeah. You know, if you give certain people the opportunity to be bad, they are going to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no
1: law. There's no order. It's whatever you do for yourself.
0: Yeah. No one's going to tell on you, like who they're going to tell. Mm-hmm. And if they do, we well, can just kill them, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. So and in fact, that almost maybe makes it so that you have to become a worse person because if someone's saying, hey, let's go murder this bunch of folks. You know, rape the women, kill the men, steal all their stuff, whatever. You know, whatever it is, let's go be marauders, let's go ambush them. And you say, nah, that's not cool, bro. Well, then you're getting a bullet in the brain. So you've got to say, um, okay, and go along with it to survive yourself. Uh, but that just drags everybody down into lawlessness, violence, rape.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely that group mentality. You know, that's how mobs happen and things like that. It only takes a couple of people to really incite something. And then suddenly, even if you're if you thought you were going to stand on the sidelines, you're suddenly pulled right into the middle of it. Right. You know.
0: So Sarah's definitely best case scenario has just had to protect herself from that, Uh, you know, protect Mm -hmm. herself in the way of like putting on a front, a hardened exterior. you know, bitch, witch, whatever, exterior, um, to keep people away. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, she may have had to deal with assault, Mm -hmm. you know, on top of seeing hordes, seeing freakers, seeing people getting, getting killed, um, grieving her husband, grieving for Boozer because she also thinks her, air brother is dead. Um, You know, grieving her family, who she has. I mean, imagine that you haven't spoken to your family in years because they disowned you because you married a biker. It's mentioned that she has a little sister. Well, Sarah knows they're all dead. They all died thinking that she was, you know, an unloving daughter, that she had chosen this nasty biker boy over her family. She never got to make amends for that. She never got to talk to her mom or her dad or her sister again. And now they're all fucking dead and she wasn't there. You tell me she's not grieving that, that she hasn't had to come to terms with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, death is, is final. There's there's no chance to thaw things. There's no chance for people to have real discussions and and maybe try to find a middle ground. It's not always mm-hmm. possible, but she didn't even get a chance to try. right? Yeah. And I mean, we know that she put up with some sort of physical pass or something from Weaver because she tried to break his arm.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. You're telling me he didn't try to grab that ass, you know, that he's so right. fond of.
1: That's how he got his arm nearly broken.
0: <laughs> I like the scene where Deacon's on the radio to, I think, to Weaver he sarah is there in the background and weaver says something oh she comes in to ask him if he has alcohol like isopropyl alcohol and he says oh yeah you can come by my tent later and i got a bottle of vodka we can share and she just says fuck off <laughs> like like not even like oh fuck off like haha it's like dude cut it the fuck out like that's the way she delivers it is so harsh and so sharp and we laughs like ha ha ha, you know. She'll come around eventually. And poor Deacon is there, like holy shit. I don't know if we ever hear Sarah swear before. I don't. I think that may be the only time she no. swears, or certainly the first time we hear her swear. I mean, just think about what Deacon is thinking in that moment. But again, he kind of knows that she can handle herself.
1: Yeah, um, I still think it's funny though that he calls the doc.
0: Mm, like, yes, I don't
1: like the way he, you know, and there's still that protective thing there, but he didn't call her. Right. He didn't call her at all. You know, he wasn't going to say anything. But yeah, that line delivery, that is, I am utterly done with your shit. I will break your arm for real this time if you don't knock it off.
0: Mm-hmm. And the fact that, I mean, it's just, the, like I said, this is probably the best thing, the best bad interaction she's had, that Weaver just kind of like mm-hmm. chuckles and laughs it off. And you just think, God, the shit this woman's probably dealt with, you know, that's probably a good interaction versus some of the worst interactions that she's had.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely think so. I mean, women put up with shitty interactions like kind of like that on a daily basis. And again, we talk about how she she's, you know, she's a beautiful woman and there aren't that many of those left in this world. Right. So, yeah, she is definitely put up with, it, with it, unwanted advances a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's Matt, the Colonel, which Deacon is vaguely suspicious of. And, I mean, obviously, it's not like that. I'm not entirely sure why Deacon is so suspicious. I think just because she calls him Matt and not the Colonel. Mm-hmm. But the way he, when he hits her later, the Colonel, and then he, like cradles her face like oh i'm sorry and it's like ew dude stop touching her that always makes me kind of cringe a little bit like like he thinks it's okay to put his hands on her face especially after just striking her across the face Mm -hmm. um but it's like it's so gross the way he he kind of um almost cradles her face it's just so creepy
1: uh he's definitely a man who does not understand personal boundaries. <laughs> um I'm not I'm not sure that anything on his part, like where he um has any sort of, of intention of of wanting to sleep with her or anything. I really don't. I think it's almost for him a possession thing?
0: I was like, gonna say that. It doesn't seem sexual, but it does seem like ownership.
1: You know, kind of that um quote unquote typical abuser thing where I hit you. But that's not my fault.
0: Yeah. Why did you make me?
1: You know, and, and I'm sorry this had to happen, but you know, you're my officer. You work for me. You're you're part of my militia.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Chamult mission.
1: I love that mission.
0: Yeah, the difference that that we see in Sarah, because this is really the first time we are shown it. So maybe those people who haven't picked up on the nuances of the conversations between Sarah and Deek, maybe they don't get it. Maybe they weren't looking at the screen, they weren't really paying attention, maybe they're not very good at reading things, but you go out into the shit with Deacon. Sarah and Deacon go out together and you see the difference in this woman. You see uh-huh. how she can handle a gun you see her authority, you see that, you know, she is still afraid. She still has fear, but it's like fear of freaks. Well, like who doesn't have that? You know, it's like she still manages to hold her own and get shit done. And when they, uh, when they find the room full of people who've committed suicide, the, um, the students and the professors that have killed themselves drinking the hemlock juice she almost reacts to it less than Deacon does.
1: She, she is, I don't know if this is the right word, um, but she is definitely more um, nonchalant about it. Like, yeah, it's a tragedy, but there's nothing we can do about it. They've been been—they're mm-hmm. gone. They've been gone. I'm focused on what I have to do right now, right here
0: in the mm-hmm. present. Yeah, because she knows her mission. Deacon still doesn't know at this point but she knows her mission. To her, the people who have died are beyond help. So she's there to get the piece of equipment that is going to save all of the freaks. That's, that's her goal. And she's like, oh, fuck, yeah, shit, these people are dead. They drank hemlock. What a shame. I can't help them. What I need to do is I can still help the literal billions of people that are not dead, you know, that are infected that is my mission. She doesn't have time to stop and look and mourn them or or pay her respects to them or anything like that. It's like, no, 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 I, I have this job I need to do. I, time is ticking. I need to get this piece of equipment and get this shit figured out.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. Um, she's definitely aware that that time is running out for her because Weaver is so close. They don't have infinite resources for for her to just, you know, keep experimenting for six or seven years until she figures it out. That's that's not how the kernel is going to work.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know,
1: it, it, we want results now because we have to fight this war.
0: Right. Because she's not making a cure. She's making a weapon. Remember, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: we're going to we're going to make them explode from the inside out, I guess. Mm. Or at least that's what Deacon thinks, you know, when they get to that part. The reason that I love this mission so much is they're a little bit jokey, like they used to be. Like you can tell that they're kind of trying to reconnect a bit. He trusts her when he, you know, to like have his back when he's going to go out and and shoot the the first few freaks and whatever, and that she's supposed to give him covering fire and whatnot. And you know, they do all the little stuff they're supposed to do. And they get to the part then when he can't get in that window and he can hear her firing the weapon and and whatever. And when he gets in there, she's clearly terrified. Mm -hmm. But she did the job. Yes. And some people probably call her a bitch here too because he tries to give her a hand up and she refuses it. I don't think that that's her being bitchy in any way, shape, or form. This is her telling him, I'm not the Sarah that you remember. Mm Mm-hmm. Been through things. I can take care of myself. I've got this. We are taking on this thing together because I need a piece of equipment. It's great that you have my back, but like we have each other's back here. We're doing this together. Um, Yeah. Because I think at this point for her, she knows she's changed so much. There's no possible way he can still be in love with her. He doesn't know who she is now.
0: Right. She is a different person. And he is also a different person. Mm-hmm. For both of them, they have to almost like meet again, get to know each other again, fall in love again. It's like, sure, yes, I love you, but I, I don't know who you are right now. It takes a while. I've referred to it on the podcast before as being in sync with each other. You know, in a relationship, you have those days where you just you're just not in sync. You're just kind of annoying each other and Getting snippy with each other or whatever. And it's like you're just not clicking, you're not gelling, you're not in sync. And that's, you take a normal day like that in any normal relationship, any, you know, little moment where you're just not quite vibing. And you multiply it by two years and add in uh, essentially a zombie apocalypse. Of course, it's going to take them a minute to reconnect.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're not fighting over, you know, I asked you to go to the grocery store and get eggs and you brought back butter. That's not it. Like we're, we're grumpy at each other and we're on a mission where we could die. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. got other things that we have to be worrying about. So like, how do you repair that when you're constantly out in a world that that's seeking to kill you all the time?
0: And also, you know, they're in a world where they can't drop their guard around each other because, oh, they have to keep it a secret. When are they supposed to have all this time for all this reconnecting?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing in Days Gone that is not out to kill you are the deer. I mean, anything else is going to probably try to get you. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be constantly on guard. There, There's no time. That's one of the things I hate, and I keep bringing it back to movies, uh, you know, because I love them so much, but I absolutely hate action movies where they have to shoehorn in that romance thing. The volcano just erupted, and, and you know, California is falling into whatever, you know, they don't have time to be making eyes at one another. Somebody's going to die, <laughs> you yes. know, and that's really honestly very true here. They don't have time to to build that bridge. Um, They have to take it in the few moments when they can get it. Mm -hmm. I really love, like I I had that note in there when he says, you know, what happened to you? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, you can use a gun now and you can do this now, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm not special. Nothing's happened to me that hasn't happened to every other fucking person on this planet. She does not to focus on what might have quote unquote changed her into who she is now. That's mm-hmm. done, it's in the past and this is who she is and he needs to realize that. You know, yeah. it, it the same shit happened to him, you know, just more cuz we're out in the shit all the time, but yeah, her story's no different.
0: All right, so heading into Cloverdale. Their second mission out into the shit. She finds out that she is responsible in a way for the virus. And of course, the whole bit with Jim, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. The weight of it is so immense. She's already taken on this mission to save the world. She already feels responsible. Like she is perhaps the only living person who can do this. And then she finds out, oh yeah, <laughs> this virus, it was your fault. I mean, not directly, but that's obviously how she she. Hears it that her research, her lab—that's where the virus came from.
1: Yes, and and you you know that she feels responsible because she she tells Deacon, you know mm. that was that was my research. You know they used me. I did this. I caused this. The number one, I think it really shows the fact that she's she's learning to trust him again. Because this is a secret that she's been carrying around for what at least let's say a year, even because she said she had started to figure it out. So right. she's pro- when oh when she said she went to the Cloverdale facility there in Farewell right before the chopper, you know. Um, she had an inkling, and so then she's had two years to put all these pieces together. Who could she have told? Nobody. Right. She can't tell anybody.
0: If you tell someone, oh, by the way, I might be responsible for this virus, someone is going to murder you.
1: And probably not quickly. Everybody's got trauma, you know, from this. And, and yeah, so I think the fact that she can unburden herself to him is a very big deal. Um, she she allows him to give her comfort, which is totally the opposite of what they went through at Chamont when she wouldn't let him help her up. Things are definitely changing between them. She's letting him in. She trusts him. Um, and at this point, you know, like, it, well, obviously, we haven't talked about it yet, but we all know she, she shot Jim. Right. And um, he didn't blink an eye at her. And so she knows that he's seeing, quote, unquote, you know, the worst she could be. And, and the fact that, you know, she her, her research led to a thing that killed a billion people. And he doesn't shy away from her. Mm-hmm doesn't give her any platitudes. He doesn't blame her either.
0: Recognizes it, accepts it. I mean, obviously in that moment with Jim, like he knows he was going to do the same thing. You know, he mm-hmm. would have done the same thing and not batted an eye at all and kind of maybe not expected Sarah to. Although, thinking back to the flashbacks of the Night of the Collapse where he has to kill the civilian he's really traumatized by that.
1: Uh-huh. And I
0: wonder if, in a way, he's sort of thinking back to that moment, maybe subconsciously, but maybe it's a little reference to that moment where she is now killing a, air quote civilian, and how differently she reacts, how she just does it, has a, a kind of a cool one-liner, you know, we, we couldn't take the risk, and walks away and he does stand there for a minute, like, "Shit, she just killed Jim. Like she can do that now." And you just gotta wonder what's going through Deacon's mind in that moment. Like you say, it's she's she's changed, and she is starting to demonstrate that to him, and he is, you know, we can't avoid but observing it and seeing it. And it goes back to their the beginning of their relationship where you know, they fell in love because he sees her and accepts her for who she is and and she does the same for him. They're not trying to change each other and here she is now, this fucking badass who can kill someone who deserves killing, but she can kill someone and it's like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and I I think too, I find it really interesting that when when he finds out that Jesse, and then he ends up at Sarah's memorial because that's you know his his diary. he goes and talks to his wife about all the shit going on in his life because that's the only person he can be really truly honest with like he's mm. not even honest with boozer like that right um Sarah's the only one he can be quote unquote a little bit softer you know with, and he tells her, you know this is what we did, we held him down, why Jack burned off his tats and blah, blah blah and he said, and i I never told you." Because I knew he wouldn't be with a guy like that. Mm. And maybe that was true then, but it's definitely not true now. I really don't see her judging him for those kinds of things.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: She knew what he was. He's an enforcer and an MC. You know, they're not rainbows and puppies and kittens. He was, you know, he was killing people. They were a threat to the club. Yeah. Killing people is not new to Deacon. Um, but he doesn't consider it murder. It was to keep his brother safe.
0: Right. And also being ex military, you know, he's killed people in the mm-hmm. military.
1: Yeah, and I mean even back then maybe Sarah wouldn't wouldn't have turned away from him, but she's she's certainly not doing it now. She has mm-hmm. seen so much more of the world in this two years, you know, to make her who she is now. She's not gonna judge Deacon.
0: Yeah, and she's experienced that kind of lifestyle I mean obviously different but past her never had any reason to kill anyone or hold anyone down and burn off a tattoo like that's just not her world (laughs) now she's seen death and murder survival she's lived that she's dealt with that she's done that so now she gets it
1: yeah I think you could you know argue for the fact that they're actually stronger as a couple now Mm-hmm. that she can understand him in ways she never did before. Bonding um, over murder. <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, you know, in the Hannibal TV show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. So they, they get done at Cloverdale, and they hole up in the cabin, and this is the moment that everyone has been waiting for. This is them finally reconnecting. This is the moment they come back together. They've found each other, but now they are finding each other again, uh, you know, in a in a truer sense. And I love the way you have in your notes, uh, the way of describing this, that he's finally seeing who she is and he hasn't turned away in disgust and she's ready to connect with him.
1: Number one, I like the fact that we get like a little, you know, it's it's fade to black. It's none of our business, but it's not it's not two people jumping each other or anything. It's still tentative because they've not done this in two years. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can, you can see the shift in her. Um, She's, she's like nervous. Like it's the the very first time that they're going to be together like this. And, and, and it is because again, you know, they're two different people, but she, she told him, like I said earlier, She told him the worst thing that she thinks she's ever done, which is, you know, get used um, and be responsible for this virus. And she uh, killed Mall Cop Jim without a blink of an eye. And Deacon doesn't condemn her. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't make any sort of comment of, wow, did you think that was necessary? You know, he doesn't make her
0: feel bad for it, for who she's become.
1: Yes. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't judge her in any way shape or form and i think I, I think we had mentioned it before too that he sees her he has always seen who she is but that was you know nice girl sarah mm-hmm. and this sarah she's she's edgier she's got life experience things have happened to her and he still sees her and he still loves her and she needed that reassurance
0: yeah so after they get back to the camp and she sends him out to get the newt they've already reconnected they've already come together and then there is the i think one of the most devastating scenes where he brings the newt back and she tries the um the the antidote we still don't know at this point we think it's a weapon we know what deacon knows like mm-hmm. it's a weapon so she tries the air quotes weapon on the newt And it kills the newt and Deacon's like, woo, yeah, we killed the newt. Oh my God, this is like going to explode all the freaks. And she's like, God damn it. And she throws all the shit on the floor. That's when we realize she is trying to save the world. And Deacon has to give her the uh, get up, dust yourself off and try again little speech. But the way he does it, there's there's so much distance between them. You realize that, yes, they've reconnected. Yes, he's seeing her Mm -hmm. again, but... There's still so much she has hidden from him. She was still hiding this thing, and now she's admitting it to him. But you see the blocking in that scene, the the way they are physically positioned in that scene. They're opposite sides of the table. They could not be any further apart in the field of view of the camera. I just feel like that's a metaphor for where they are in that moment where Mm -hmm. they have reconnected, but there's still distance between them. There's still so much healing that they need to do and coming together that they need to do. Um, and that kind of spurs the next chapter of the game, which is the uh, you know, Deacon leaving the getting run out of the militia and having to go back and and air quotes save her again, even though he doesn't actually save her, she <laughs> saves herself. But, you know, it's like it's that constant push and pull between them that that uh they were apart for so long, they came together, but they're still emotionally so far apart, they're still different people. They find, the new people find each other, they come together again, and then, oh shit, there's actually this big secret that she's been keeping. And the contrast, this is perhaps the first time that they really disagree on anything like fundamental, because she wants to cure everyone and Deacon wants to kill everyone. Those are complete opposites. How do you reconcile that?
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're literally standing there with the table between them with the dead new on it, like as just yeah this visual picture of exactly the opposite sides they're on. Deacon calls them its. All the freakers are its. They're not people to him. Um, the only person like he says he's ever talked to that is is Lisa, and she mm-hmm. calls them sick people. Um, I think it's very difficult for people to remember because we're so used to the zombie genre that they're not dead. They right. literally are sick people. And, you know, he spent two years killing every freak he's come across um, because, you know, he has anger issues. Deacon doesn't connect with his feelings very well. <laughs> um, and she she's trying to find a cure and I think that's very telling. Number one that she's looking for a cure and not a vaccine. You Why? know, she wants to undo what she did. Um but like I kind of put little what if notes in there because it's always it's always made me question like has she really thought this through or is it just she's so focused on getting rid of her guilt that she She's not thinking of the repercussions that, what if you're successful? Mm-hmm. You know, these people have been sick for two years. When you look at the newts, you know, those are feral children that have been like this for two years. You know, the adults. So you you cure them, and now what? Do they remember everything? Which is could include killing their families and killing strangers and eating them. Mm-hmm. Um Especially for the kids, you know, again, they've been feral for two years, and now you want them to, like, take a bath and, and you know, put on pants or whatever. You've got the scenario where they don't remember anything at all, which is, you know, its own kind of trauma. Um, Or they're just catatonic, because, you know, we don't understand 100% how the virus, like, affects the brain or anything. So what happens if they are all catatonic? It's not mm-hmm. like we have long care facilities to take care of these people, right? So I'm not honestly sure that, that she was right. Um, but Deacon tells her, "If this is what you need, then we'll figure it out. You you keep trying. We'll get you to Cloverdale, so you've got better equipment." But in that moment, when he first figures it out, and and he's you know trying to encourage her and whatnot. They're definitely, I, I'm not sure how okay Deacon is with it because he is used to just killing them. He doesn't think of them as people anymore. Um, but it's what she needs, so he's he's going to help her.
0: Yeah, he doesn't question it. He doesn't say, oh, but what if this? Oh, but what if that? Oh, I don't even know if this is possible. He's, he's mm-hmm. 100% behind her. This yep. is what she needs, and he believes it. This is what you can do. You will figure this out. I believe Mm -hmm. in you. Yeah, which
1: it it is. Again, it's interesting that they they still are very physically far apart, but he's telling her, you know, you can do this, and Mm -hmm. and you know, I support you in this. So that divide is there. They're not leaving in an angry huff. They're they're trying to communicate about it. So that that's a little positive there.
0: Yeah. All right, let's talk about the the final scene, uh, the, uh, the killing of the colonel and how in any other video game, it would have gone down where, you know, the colonel takes Sarah hostage, Deacon is expelled, Deacon fights his way back in, he kills, you know, all the militia, makes it to the Ark, he busts in, there's Sarah tied up, you know, uh, whatever, t- tied to the sacrificial pole or in some way, you know, uh, <laughs> locked up and Deacon, you know, would kill the colonel and get revenge and release Sarah from her bonds and she would swoon into his arms and be, thank you, White Knight, for saving me. Yes. Uh, that's not how it happens in Days Gone. No. Goes down a little differently. A little
1: differently. <laughs> Sarah is not a damsel. She never will be. She can rescue herself. She could rescue Deacon if she had to. Um,
0: I mean, she does in the scene. The colonel has a gun at de- pointed at Deacon. He is going to kill Deacon. And who rescues mm-hmm. Deacon? Sarah. And she does it with the thing that has been the best illustration of her brains, her smarts right? the whole thing, her intelligence, yep. her knowledge of botany.
1: It totally ties in everything we have learned about Sarah from day one. Um, yeah, her knowledge of plants saved her life and saved Deacon's life.
0: Um, and not just her knowledge, her, her mm-hmm. passion for plants, her love of plants saves the love of her life.
1: Yeah. And, and you can tell when she talks about it that, yeah, it's not just a job. It's not a hobby. She loves learning that stuff. And I mean, let's be real. We love Deacon. We, of course we do. But the man got his ass kicked by the rednecks when he met Sarah. um <laughs> Granted, he was tied up, but the colonel, you know, punched him really hard. um Boozer has one arm and knocked him on his ass. He's not really great in a fist <laughs> fight.
0: For an enforcer and an MC, you'd think he'd be better. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, he really has to have a weapon. Probably the sniper rifle. But yeah, so honestly, if they had to rely on Deacon, I'm not sure they're getting out of there. He's not handy in a fist fight. He just isn't. Um, So I love that that's another thing where Sarah is a person on her own can do things without Deacon.
0: She can take care of herself. She can. And it's also, I don't know how much the Colonel is Deacon's antagonist. I think he belongs to Sarah in the way that it's Sarah's story as much as it is Deacon's. Deacon's antagonist is Schizo. Deacon gets to go slit Schizo's throat. Sarah's antagonist is Matt. Sarah gets to poison him with hemlock. Yep. It's like he doesn't have to kill everyone because that's not his boss level. Uh, you know, he got to defeat him. Like that's Sarah's job. Sarah has her own in the way that she is her own person throughout the whole story. She has her own antagonist, her own boss level that she has to fight. And just because we don't control her as a character, we don't get to do it as a player, but it's still part of her story. It's still her antagonist, and she will take care of it. Yeah, she, she did.
1: Um, it, it she didn't do anything. Like he's pretty much disarmed and in, 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 in a chair the second he walks in that door.
0: He's the damsel in distress.
1: <laughs> he is indeed. Um well you know, he's got that long flowing hair too, so um he'd probably be a really good damsel. But yeah, I you're very right. He he gets to take out Carlos in a in a boss type battle, and that's a nemesis from his past. He takes out Schizo and that's a nemesis from his present have a beef with with the colonel like no he didn't like the things that he did but like until skizzle came along and the the colonel kicked him out he didn't really have anything any type of personal thing with the colonel at all
0: right the colonel is the antithesis of sarah's goal sarah wants to save everyone the colonel wants to kill everyone i mean it doesn't get more bond villain obvious than that 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 he's sarah's villain
1: and I mean, she spent two years trying, well, okay, we don't know how long she's been in the militia camp because they were in the ones that were overrun, but she spent a lot of time there under his rule, under his thumb, doing what he forces her to do. I mean, and yeah, she subverts that, but she has to look like she's following orders so she doesn't get hanged. Um, I'm sure she's had to watch him do not great stuff that there wasn't anything she could do about. Um Straight up, you know, smacks her in the face, so I'd poison mm-hmm. it too. But you know, she's the one that has history, with the Colonel. And it's yeah. very fitting that she's allowed to take him out and she's allowed to take him out in Sarah's way, which is not guns mm-hmm. or so fist fights. It's
0: Yeah, I love it. Poetry. Mm hmm. All right, Jay Stabby, I have one final question for you. This is a question that I'm sure you saw coming. I ask a lot of people this. If you were in the world of Days Gone, how would you fare and what camp would you join?
1: Like everybody, I would want to be at Lost Lake. Um, that's my favorite. That's home. Um, although I do like O'Leary Mountain too. But to be fair, with the, I mean, I, I'm an administrative assistant. Unless you need payroll and taxes done, I'm not real not. <laughs> you really don't bring a lot of skills to the apocalypse. table.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I've got it. You could be the person that leaves the mysterious abacus, which is the beginning of a lot of the little uh, traps that the marauders lay for Deacon. Um, so maybe, that's, maybe you're with the marauders and you, you're the abacus holder or something. <laughs>
1: be that mysterious person in the woods that every four days goes and respawns all the lovely loop, you know, somebody's got to do it.
0: There you go. That's your role. That is your, that's yep. perfect for you. Yep. Keep on top of that. Keep track of what Deacon's picked up and what he's moved and put the fuel cans back where they belong. Make sure they re- they're refilled.
1: Make sure there's a machete and all the green trucks because we've got to have a machete.
0: Yeah, when I roll through and I swap out the eighty percent machete that I have on my back for the hundred percent machete that's in the truck, and then I come back through later, and that one that I left in the truck is now hundred percent. That's you. You've come in and sharpened that machete and fixed it back up and put it back where it belongs.
1: <laughs> yep, I came along and fixed it. There, we're good. Everybody, Deacon's good now. He can go kill a couple more freaks with that machete.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> um. If we're being honest, though, if I'm not a freak or dead right off the bat, I'm probably the idiot in the car that has to be saved. And there's a camp. Where? And I'm, like, standing right outside of Lost Lake. (laughs) That would be me. I'd be standing right there in that little building where you have to do the challenge in. And, oh, there's a camp. It's like, turn around, dumbass.
0: (laughs) What camp? Oh, that one. That camp. At least then you end up at Lost Lake, because that one's right near Lost Lake. There's the the Mm -hmm. spawn point there. So, yeah, you get your wish.
1: (laughs) Yep. With my luck, Deacon would send me to, like, Copeland, though, or something. I have to trace
0: across two map regions, you know? (laughs) He's like, yeah, 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 go to Hot
1: Springs. (laughs) It was annoying to rescue. She goes to Cope or Tuck. (laughs) Whichever's farthest. We're going to make her walk across the map. Because God knows I cannot read a map to save my life, so Uh-oh. that would be fun.
0: Well, if he sent you to Hot Springs <laughs> and you can't read a map, you might actually end up at Lost Lake. There you go. So again, you come out on top.
1: Turn at Albuquerque or whatever. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> well, I'll end up in Lost Lake eventually somehow.
0: You'll be in <laughs> when Reno I'm not with Corey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be okay too. You can support the Days Gone podcast via buymeacoffee.com slash Eight Bit you can do a one-time contribution, or you can become a supporting member. Memberships start for as little as $1 a month. There are various tiers, all of which come with some really cool perks and rewards. So please go check it out. BuyMeACoffee.com slash 8BitTerror. And I want to give a big shout-out to my supporting members. BorisLav247, Inc., James Guan, Anton G, Tom Moose, Jay Stabby, Captain Caffeine, Basics of Pain, and Miranda Satin. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share so more people can find the show. Jay Stabby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. It was a great conversation, and it was really
0: nice to get to talk to you one on one. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions and counter arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out.